You can go ahead and be seated. Great to be with you today. If you're joining us uh, at other campuses or online, thanks for carving out some time this weekend so we can be together. Uh, as you just heard Pastor Benji say, I grew up in Australia. And I remember as a child, I had uh, a, a dream to visit two particular places. One of them was the great nation of the United States of America. You see, I had a dream to see an NBA game live. And uh, I got to do that. I saw the Lakers and the Clippers at the Staples Center. And then I went on to live a third of my life in the US. Uh, but the other place was Bethlehem. I felt as a child it would be cool to visit the very place that Jesus was born. And a couple of years ago, my wife and I got to travel over to Israel, Palestine, and visit a bunch of the sacred sites, and also to go to Bethlehem and visit the birthplace of Jesus. Now, since I was a child, I had this dream, and so uh, over many, many years, I kind of conjured up expectations of what this moment would be like. I started to think that it's probably going to be a, a, a place that's untouched, like, like literally as it was on the very night of Jesus' birth. And, and so we were moments from going down the stairs as you go into a cave uh, where they believe the birthplace of Jesus was. And uh, I vividly remember just kind of uh, stilling my mind, starting to visualize starting to center myself on what this moment was gonna be like. I was about to experience visiting the very place that God broke into our world. I had expectations like maybe some soft music playing and we would be taken in one by one and you could just have as much time as you wanted just to kneel down and say a prayer Etc. Etc. Well, it didn't actually reach my expectations. In fact, when we got down the stairs into this open cave area, I'll show you a picture in a moment, but there were so many people. We were pushed up against one another. People were accidentally bumping. It was kind of chaotic, to be honest. There were people from everywhere all over the world speaking in their language. There were tour guides giving context. It was quite loud. And really, for me, it wasn't the sacred moment that I had built up in my mind. Well, eventually, my wife and I got to the front of the line and we got our moment. Our moment to kneel down and to touch the star that sits above the believed birthplace of Jesus. And as I said, I expected to have this sacred moment where I could say a prayer and just really engage it. But what actually happened was the very moment I knelt down, a soldier came with a machine gun and told me to move on. <laughs> kind of broke the moment, if you will. I'd been accustomed to not arguing with people who have machine guns. So my wife and I uh, quietly moved on out. It didn't take me long to connect or draw the parallel, if you will, between the expectations I had and the reality that was 
and thinking about the first Christmas and the way that God chose to break into our world. He broke in in a time of chaos, in a time where there was a total lack of peace. God showed up in the center of a really troubling situation, in the middle of circumstances that were less than ideal. This is when God chose to break through. And now Christmas time is our annual reminder that the world is not as God intended it to be. God reminds us at Christmas time that the world span in disarray and in chaos and had no answer for our sin. And God responded. Theologian C.S. Lewis writes, the birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the earth. The very thing the world, the, the very thing the whole story has been about. Friends, I don't know about you, but if there has ever been a year that we've needed a reminder that Christmas is about God telling us the world is not as he intended it to be, it'd be 2020. It'd be a time where we've experienced such chaos and such unexpected happenings. If not you personally, you'd know someone who would maybe get to the end of 2020 and if they could only choose one word, they would choose the word darkness. Maybe others would choose a word unexpected or chaotic. This week in my study, I, I looked at the Hebrew word for darkness and it's the word ophel. And, and check this out, o ophel in the Hebrew means a darkness that produces fear. Ophel would be one of the words to describe 2020. A darkness that has produced a fear. As we look out into our world today, there has been a darkness that has taken root, planted by the enemy. And what was different in 2020 is this darkness has produced a fear that otherwise was not there. Maybe for you, you'd say, I've experienced an Ophel kind of darkness in my life. And so as we approach this Christmas week, I want us to remember the good news of what Christmas is all about. Please don't be trapped right now in being over-familiar with the angel's words as I read from Luke 2. As the angel declares, I bring you good news. See, in this Advent sermon series, we titled it Good News because we knew we had journeyed through such a long, dark year, we needed to be reminded that Christmas is about good news. The angel goes on and says, good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven 
and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The angels declare the phrase, glory to God and peace on earth. Jesus' birth made a way for peace with God and peace on earth, meaning peace with one another. C.S. Lewis says the central event in human history is the birth of Christ and the central symbol of the Christian faith is the cross made of uh, an upright uh, and vertical and a horizontal. Maybe what happened at Christmas was the beginning of what's embedded in that Christian symbol of the cross. You see, Jesus came with a very specific purpose. The baby came to die, to purchase us back to God, that we may be robed in the righteousness of Christ. So his death on a cruel Roman cross could be applied to our life. And then his resurrection, when he defeated the grave and brought to us victory because of the empty tomb, that we also could be raised into new life represented in the cross, perhaps is embodied in it this vertical upright that Jesus came to give us peace with God, to reconcile us to the Father. And Jesus came as the angels declare with the horizontal that we would be brought to be reconciled with one another, that we could find peace here on earth. Because Christmas reminds us why Jesus came. Some of you today find yourself as you enter into the Christmas week in circumstances that are less than ideal. You find yourself in situations that you didn't expect. You find yourselves in troubling circumstances that are just difficult to navigate. And this Christmas week, You've started to wonder, I get the peace with God, but where is the peace on earth? Did Christmas actually work? The truth is, friends, that God has been performing the unexplainable against all odds kinds of events and activities throughout human history. Maybe this Christmas would appear an unexpected truce Maybe a breakthrough, a reconciliation against all odds, an unexplainable move of the kindness of God that would bring you to a place of answering yes. There is peace on earth because of the first Christmas. There is the opportunity for reconciliation with God and with each other because of what God does. In the midst of this, Some of you are carrying a heavy weight. Some of you, as you've endured the year that we've had, you come to the end and feel just a weight, a heavy weight in your life. In Luke 2, 14, when the angels declared glory to God in the highest, the Hebrew word for glory is the word kavod. And kavod, listen to this, kavod means a heavy weight. 
So the kavod glory in the highest, the Christmas glory, is an invitation to you and I to take our heavy weight and have it transferred to God in the highest. That is a Christmas gift. It's a Christmas reminder God brings to us annually. Now in these next few moments, I wanna invite you to say a couple of phrases. I'm gonna suggest a number of different two-worded prayers that you could say. Maybe one or two of them may apply to your life as we enter into the Christmas week. So today, maybe you're sitting on a major life decision. You'd even say you're living with a level of anxiety that you're unaccustomed to. You're anxious about making the wrong decision for you or for your family, for your future. Maybe your two-worded phrase you'd pray this Christmas would simply be the words, guide me. Guide me. All throughout the Bible, God guides people. The Bible uses this specific phrase in Psalm 23.3. It writes, he guides me along right paths. God is constantly directing and guiding his people along straight and right paths paths. God has done this repetitively in my life and maybe the prayer that you would pray this Christmas week would simply be the words, guide me. Maybe some of us have done something or been involved somehow with something that we deeply regret. We're frustrated and disappointed with ourselves and the two-worded prayer you would pray this week would be simply, cleanse me. The Bible mentions over and over that God will forgive and he'll separate us from our wrongdoings. If we ask, God is faithful. The Bible uses this specific phrase in Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, he will remove our wrongdoings from us. So many times when I've messed up, disappointed in the decisions or behaviours that I've made, the powerful moments of kneeling before God quietly in my room and praying those two words, God, would you cleanse me? Perhaps this is the first Christmas you're experiencing without someone you love. You've had to mourn the passing of a loved one or maybe you're experiencing a breakup or a marriage breakdown and this year you're alone. Maybe in your sadness, your two-worded prayer is comfort me. God, would you comfort me? In Psalm 34, 18, it declares God is near to the brokenhearted. Maybe you'd simply pray this Christmas week, comfort me. Perhaps you or someone close has received a challenging medical report, perhaps a COVID complication, and your two-word prayer this Christmas week would be, heal me. God, would you heal me, either by the touch of your hand or by medical care. In Exodus 15:26, God declares, for I am the Lord who heals you. Maybe your prayer this week would be, heal me. Maybe there's conflict in your family, some relational rift, present between you and a spouse, a sibling, a son, daughter, parents. 
Perhaps as you enter into this Christmas week, you're aware that smouldering just under the surface is some unresolved tension and you would actually take a step towards that and use the two powerful worded phrase, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we're in this mess. I'm sorry for the role I've played in this. And maybe those two words would lead to a completely unexpected Christmas for you and your loved ones. Maybe today you send a text, you make a call, you build a bridge towards and not away, for there is Christmas good in the words, I'm sorry. Maybe you're wrestling with something in your inner self. You're dealing with some guilt or some shame. Your drinking is out of control or out of control again or some other substance or pornography or your spending or your eating, but you are acutely aware that the way you're living is not sustainable and you are eager as you enter into the Christmas week that this cycle in your life be broken. And so the two-worded prayer you would say this week is, help me. God, will you help me? In Matthew 7, 11, it says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? One of the favorite prayers that your God in heaven loves to hear from his children is the powerful, simple prayer of help me. Won't you pray that this Christmas week? God, help me. Maybe for some, we're looking ahead and after a long year of much quarantine, you're eager to use your gifts and serve again. Recently, I was walking through the lobby here and I saw one of our volunteers, our world changer, and I just said, hey, thanks for serving. What you do matters and it makes a difference. And he said, oh, please don't thank me. I'm just so glad that I get to serve. You know, for many of us, because of quarantine and because of this year, uh, we haven't been involved in being used the same way. You know, there is nothing on this planet like the experience of being an instrument in the hand of God and being powerfully used by the God who loves you. Some of you who are uh, watching online, you're not ready to come back in person and that's completely okay. We are so grateful that you're part of our faith community. Some of you are ready to come back and some of you are in person at our campuses today and I want you to hear me as we enter into this Christmas week and our Christmas Eve services, we have many serving roles that we're yet to fill. And so you're at a place where you would say, yeah, use me. Then as you leave our campuses today, would you go by the Next Steps booth and just say, hey, if you need help, Christmas Eve services, uh, I'm up for it. Maybe uh, you're watching online today, uh, but you're ready to come and serve. Then just in the chat log right now, just write the words, uh, I can serve, I can serve. And one of our staff will follow up with you. It's a powerful prayer as you enter into this week to pray, God, would you use me? Use me this week in my family. Use me with my church. Use me at work. Use me at my school. God, would you use me? Maybe a prayer that you'll pray this week.
Then the last group may sound a little odd, so just stay with me. Do you find yourself listening to my voice and you feel God may be up to something in your life? It's like he's calling you. You find yourself more spiritually curious and you're interested in faith conversations. Maybe you met someone or you read something or you watched something, but there has been this stirring of spiritual curiosity in your life and it seems to be culminating in the week of Christmas. Maybe you're asking yourself a question, if God is reaching out to you. Maybe your heart has been away from God for some time or maybe you've always kept God at arm's length. Perhaps you were involved in church life and you were wounded by the church or by someone in the church and it caused you to distance yourself from God. Maybe you've never got to the place of asking God to lead your life and to guide you to bring you into right relationship with him. Perhaps you've never asked God to control, to take that front row driving seat of your life. The Bible uses this specific phrase in Romans 10, 13. It declares that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be redeemed. Have you done that? Perhaps today you'd say a really simple prayer of asking God to redeem you. Maybe you say something like, God, I don't wanna to continue to live the way I've been living, so I call on you, would you redeem me? Perhaps in this Christmas week, the two-worded prayer you would pray is, redeem me. Simply the power of saying those words. In Belgium in 1914, on December 24th, there were four countries involved in a battle. There was uh, Scottish and French and British and Germans. And they were in four different trenches and in the middle of the battlefield, uh, there were hundreds of casualties and they labelled the middle of the battlefield no man's land. And as the sun set on this day and the battlefield became dark and quiet, one German soldier realised it was Christmas Eve. He laid down his rifle and uh, he gathered some uh, twigs and some uh, shrubs and he bound them together he lit them and, and put them on top of the trench. And then he went along and, and got some more twigs and shrubs and bound them together, lit them and put them on top of the trench and yet another and another. And so the onlooking enemy, as they looked at the German trench, saw these Christmas trees. What appeared to be Christmas trees. This German soldier, acutely aware that it's Christmas Eve, decided that he would just sing out and break the silence of the battlefield and sing a Christmas carol. And so he began to sing. Shortly after, he realised coming from the enemy trench were 
enemy soldiers recognising the Christmas carol he was singing and they joined in. Upon hearing this, he got a boldness, a reckless boldness, and he unarmed, climbed out of the trench and now was in enemy line. He started to walk where he was in enemy fire. He continued to boldly sing his Christmas carol, which instilled confidence in some of his fellow German soldiers and they came up out of the trench as well and joined him and they walked towards the centre, the, the, the no man's land of the battlefield. Enemy soldiers saw this happening and they had boldness to lay down their rifles and climb up out of the trench as well. And now congregating in the middle were the four different enemy platoons coming in together, singing and announcing that it's Christmas Eve. The generals look on and realise they've got a situation. They need to call a truce. They need to announce that there is a battle truce because there is now hundreds of soldiers recognising the Imago Day that they are all made in the image of God. And so the generals declare tomorrow, Christmas Day, is a day of truce. And this is recorded in our history books as the Christmas truce of 1914, World War One. The soldiers gathered around on Christmas Day and they, they shared Christmas stories and read Scripture. They even played a soccer match that day, recognising the humanity in one another. Well, the inevitable came at the end of the day as the sun set and it became dark on the battlefield once more. And the command from the generals to return to the trenches and to prepare their weapons for combat the following day. Well, the next morning, the soldiers got in place and the generals gave the command to aim and fire. And it was met with silence. There was something happening that had stirred within these soldiers that they could no longer be enemies. The generals again gave the command to aim and fire and this time in unison, the soldiers took their rifles, they aimed them to the sky and aimlessly they shot into the air. It was this point the generals realised we need to replace every single soldier that was involved in the Christmas truce. They've become useless for combat. And history tells us that every single soldier who was on the front line was replaced. So the chaos of World War I could continue. Our annual reminder that the world is not as God intended it to be is the Christmas season. Jesus came to bring peace to God that we could be reconciled to God and peace on earth, that we could be reconciled to one another. This is what we remember is the good news of the Christmas story. Now I wanna ask if you would please stand to your feet. If you're watching online and you're able to at our campuses, let's all stand to our feet. I wanna invite you into a very specific sacred moment right now. Before we continue to go out of here and, and into the hustle and bustle that is so often part of the Christmas week, 
I wanna invite you in the quietness of where you're at to have an opportunity to pray a prayer. One of the two worded prayers that you relate with in your life. Perhaps one of them resonated in a way that you felt as you listened to my voice, I wanna say that prayer. And so as you stand here now, as you listen to my voice online at our campuses, start to become aware of your breathing and maybe as you breathe in, you would say the name Jesus. And as you breathe out, you would say your two-worded prayer. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, redeem me. So Caleb's gonna sing over you and I wanna give you this sacred moment. Go ahead and say your Christmas prayer between you and God right now. Oh, silent night, holy night, all is home, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. The truth is, God has been performing the unexplainable against all odds, kinds of events and activities throughout human history. Often when we least expect it, He performs a miracle. And God loves performing miracles at Christmas. Maybe an unexplainable move of the kindness of God would be present this Christmas week in your life, in your family's life. It would mark this Christmas as the time you experience the unexplainable move of God in your life. Christmas, our annual reminder that God sent His only begotten Son into this world because it is not as He intended it to be. Today, be encouraged that God's reminder to you this Christmas week is that He is active in your life, doing the unexpected and the unexplainable and desiring to hear your two-worded prayer to give you your Christmas miracle. Church, let's pray together. So God in heaven, we know you lean in and incline your ear to the prayers of your children. And right now, we know that you're listening to the heart's cry. Many two-worded prayers have gone out to you today, God. And I ask, would you hear and would you respond this Christmas week 
bring about a Christmas miracle. For some people have been journeying through an Ophel kind of darkness, a darkness that has produced a fear. And so God, would You touch their lives deeply in their souls today? Would You replace the fear with Your peace, we pray. And God, may we all know the kavod glory of God, that a heavy weight is lifted from us, that we can be redeemed and made right with God the Father, robed in the righteousness of Jesus. So God, would You do the unexpected, unexplainable, against all odds, kinds of activities and events in our lives this Christmas, we pray. We love You, Jesus. It's in Your precious Name we pray. And everyone agreed with that prayer said, Amen and Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone.